This call is being recorded. Hello, everyone. Welcome to what I'm calling the Where Your Dreams Become Reality podcast. This is Weldon Johnson, and I'm joined by our special guest, Tyler Andrews, who will be going for the 50K world record um, this Friday in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, Tyler, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk to you. Um, so I'm, I'm titling this podcast, The Where Your Dreams Become Reality, because you've gone from an over 18-minute 5Ker in high school to a guy who, what, I guess less than 48 hours from now, could be a world record holder, um, which, is, which is pretty amazing. You know, the, the sometimes byline of Let'sRun.com is where your dreams become reality, and I hope people can sort of, you know, find some inspiration from your story and... I don't know. Our our sports wonderful, and there's your story's a, a great one in it. And I just I want to, you know, I want people to learn about it, but also I want to learn, learn about it. I, I don't know too much about it myself, so um, sure. yeah. Let, let's first start with with the world record run. Um, I mean, there's so many things going on here. First of all, you're doing it on a track. I mean, that's yep. crazy. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. Um, so we, the, the event itself has been in the talks for over a year. Um, I've been talking about it with my sponsor, Hoka, um, really since early last year. And last year was just a busy one. Um, so I, we ended up not getting it done. And, and, and we've been talking about it and talking about it. And then finally, this spring, it seemed to line up. And, and they really wanted to do an event that was would really showcase both uh, Hoka's kind of long distance side. You know, they have a huge connection in the ultra world and the marathon world and also their track side because, you know, they have the NJNY guys, they have Leo Manzano. Um, so really kind of want to create an event that showcased both of that. So obviously the track guys are going to be a little bit more at home than me. Um, I've never done a run this long on the track before. Um, but, you know, in terms of going for a world record, the track also gives us a, a lot of a lot of things that are helpful. You know, obviously we get uh, a ton of feedback in terms of splits. You get support whenever you need it. Um, you know, it's perfectly flat. You're running the exactly right distance. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit crazy, but at the same time, it, it definitely helps us control a lot of the things that you want to control when you're going for a record. Yeah, so in the, the race itself, um, you know, how many uh, how many people are going to be in it? Like, you know, what what are some of the details? Sure, yeah. So my understanding is I think there's, uh, there's going to be about 10 or 12 runners in the field. Um, we're going to have three rabbits that are going to take us through 20 miles on uh, on world record pace. Um, we're actually meeting with them, I think, later today or tomorrow. I'll have to go over the exact pacing, but but that's the plan as, as well. Three guys to take us through 20. Um, and then after that, we'll just be uh, on our own. And, yeah, other than that, uh, that's that's really the the the, the long and short of it. Um, that's pretty much all there is to say. It's going to be, uh, like you said, here in Santa Barbara at the um, Santa Barbara City College track right over overlooking the ocean, um, 7.30 in the morning. So. Hopefully it won't be too warm uh, in the later stages of the race, nice and early. Um, and yeah, that 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 243.38, which is the the current world record, is really the the mark that I'm I'm looking at. Um, originally, when we talked about this, we were actually thinking just kind of about the track record times, which they do actually keep track of. Um, the American track record is 252, and the world track record is 248. Um, and to put those in times so that let's run readers or listeners might be easier to relate to. Um, the 243, the overall world record is uh, essentially it's 218.05 marathon pace, and then you run another five miles after that. 
and so 248 is about a 220 marathon and then 252 I think it's about a 222 224 marathon something like that um, and then again continuing on yeah I've been a I've been accused in let's run of um, I don't know not not showing enough respect to ultra runners so uh, <laughs> that's another reason I'm doing this podcast to try to get in their good good favors um, excellent yeah now so I guess you said we, you know, are there other people in this race who can challenge the record as well? Or is the record attempt really set up for you? Who else is in this yeah, race? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, it's it's mostly been set up for me is my understanding. Um, I, I use we just kind of in general when I'm talking about running usually because I'm always surrounded by people who support me. So it's kind of a natural thing to just use the the royal we, I guess. But But yeah, I think in terms of of logistically in the race, it's it's mostly going to be me and the rabbits at the front, is my understanding. So pretty much after 20 miles, you're going to have to what make it the final 10 by yourself. Yeah, final 11 miles. Yeah, that's yourself? that's 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 the idea. Um, is um is uh yeah running that last that last 10 miles will be on my own. And uh, I don't know if you um made it far back enough in my blog, but I think. Just about a month ago, about five weeks ago, I ran the Rock and Roll DC Marathon um, kind of as a tune-up for this race. And so that was my goal there was really to practice running the second half of that race by myself and at pace. Um, and I ended up doing I, th- I think I actually ended up running about the last 28K of that race alone um, and quicker than the pace that I needed to run. So that was that was a huge confidence booster for myself. So I've, I've been definitely out there, you know, the last couple couple months, like doing the really hard, long sessions and making sure... I'm pushing myself at the end, like by myself. And, um, you know, I've had a, a great group of athletes to train with, but at the same time, I've been making sure that, okay, like I know that that last hour or so I'm going to be by myself and that's going to be really hard. Yeah. How, how do you, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to break a, you know, I think a lot of us, when we train, obviously we want to PR and, you know, run our best, but sometimes, you know, time is secondary um, or, but this time, you know, this one, you, you got to break the world record. So how'd you know, I don't know, when you were in possibly world record shape, like what sort of workouts did you have to do to, you know, or what do you think you have to, what sort of marathon shape you have to feel like you have to be to break this? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, how do you, really you get a gauge that, you know, I assume like a month ago, if this, if you didn't think you had a good shot at this, what's the point of doing yeah. that? Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think in terms of like, really thinking about this record seriously. I actually really started thinking about it seriously probably like a couple of years ago. Um, my coach and I started talking about it and, um, you know, I think I'd run 215 high in the marathon at that point. And um, I had run on the U.S. team for 50K World Championships um, and I'd finished second there. Uh, but it was a super hot race. So my 50K time was, was not close. I've only run 256 for 50K, but that was in an 85 degree heat day. Um, so, I think that was kind of when we started thinking about like, okay, this is something in the long term that's, that's in your wheelhouse. It's not crazy to start thinking about, um, you know, in terms of kind of the marathon equivalency, if you want to look at whatever, like the Daniels or McMillan or, or something like that and start thinking about what the equivalent time is. It's really hard to say because I think it depends a lot on kind of the improvement curve of the individual. I think some people, you know, already start to underperform at the marathon and there are other people who like myself who are, who are much stronger at the marathon than they are at shorter distances um, so, you know, for me to talk about, you know, having a 215 marathon PR and talking about going through this record attempt in 217, it's like, oh, that seems, that seems pretty close to your PR. Um, 
and you know for me maybe maybe someone who who uh who is kind of starting to slow down already in the longer stuff that would be true but for me i think i've i've always been someone who's done better as events get longer um up to marathon and, and 50k um so i think that's kind of what gave me the the big picture idea of, of okay this is something that that makes sense to try and tackle um in terms of kind of this training block if there was like an aha moment of when i was like okay i'm ready we should go for this we should be talking about this um I think, like I said before, it was definitely the the rock and roll race. Um, when I when I've been training before that, I've been training for about two months. Um, I've been based in Quito, Ecuador, which is up at nine thousand feet, um, and that's the first time I've been training at altitude full time in a while. So I had very very different workouts there. Everything was going really well, and I was feeling good, um, but I didn't have any of the standard benchmark workouts that I'd had in the past in terms of, you know, okay, these are like the long tempo runs and this is the pace and, and things like that. I've been in the same city and, and doing the same training basically for the previous three years. So I had a very, very good sense of, okay, this is exactly what kind of shape I'm in based on this workout. Um, and, and it usually ended up translating pretty well. I got very good at, at being able to predict my own fitness. Um, and so I was really kind of flying blind those first two months. Like I said, I was, I, I was feeling good and I was training with guys who were really good and I was getting better each week, but I didn't really know what that was going to translate to until I went down um, and did that marathon. And, you know, like I said before, I, I think we ran the first like 14 K so about nine miles really slow um, just with the lead pack. Uh, and then just kind of made a move after that felt really good and, and was running pretty consistently right at or under the pace that I need to run for this record for, for the last, uh, about 18 miles of the race by myself. So that was the moment where I was like, okay, you know, my training has been really different, but it's definitely working. Like I just soloed a, a 220 marathon with, with the last 30 K almost at, at world record pace for 50 K. And, you know, I flew home that night and the next day I did an easy run and it felt like another workout. So it's like, okay, that's, I'm ready to go. Like I just, you know, I need to basically not get injured and focus on this longer stuff a little bit for the next five weeks. And, and we're going to give it a shot. Yeah, when you said you flew home, does that mean back to Quito, or did you fly somewhere in the States? Yeah, sorry, but back to Quito, back to Quito. That's where I've, yeah, where I mean, I've been. There's so much, your story's pretty crazy. I mean, you're training at 9,000 feet. <laughs> we go back far enough, you were, I should have put this in the beginning to sort of hype this up. You were cleaning toilets from one thing I read in Ecuador. I mean, <laughs> um, but I, so one more sort of logistical thing about the race, and then we'll sort of sure. turn to your your i think your sort of journey to where you are and training in keto that sort of thing um sure. but uh what's the longest you've run on a track you know is it going to be all one direction oh gosh um i don't i don't even know the answer to that question i've done i've done some pretty decently long workouts on tracks before maybe up to like I don't know, 16, 18, 20K, um, but that would be with direction switches. Um, and we are going to have a direction switch in this race, so we're going to start out running clockwise, like the opposite of the normal way that you would run, um, and then we're going to switch to counterclockwise. Um, so so it won't all be in the same direction, which will be nice. Yeah, um, but you've, you've done some crazy stuff before. Like, don't you, you have the world record in the half marathon on the treadmill? Is that correct? Yeah, I do. That's it's something that people uh, love to gravitate towards and 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 write as like my premier accomplishment. Personally, I'm, I'm definitely more proud of like running 215 and like getting second at Worlds and stuff. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely something that that people like to put next to my name. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the second at the World 50K Championship is more impressive. But I think all the yeah. fact that you can run on a treadmill that long might 
indicate <laughs> you, can, you can do well running in a, on a track, you know, for, you know. Yeah, I actually, I do a lot, I do most of minutes. my runs in, in the city on like a pretty short, like a four kilometer loop around a park. Um, so I, I mentally, like, I don't really have a problem with doing that. I've, I've actually done that a lot in the past. Like when I lived in DC, I had a, a one kilometer loop that I did a lot of workouts on, um, on the roads. So there's, uh, for me, like doing a whole, a whole bunch of laps of something is, is not something I really mind. I mean, it's like the, I think the Japanese great Toshiko, Toshihiko exactly. used to do that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's a new way to train. Personally, it would drive me crazy, but yeah, <laughs> I, I fell off a treadmill when I was a kid, so I don't like those either. Oh gosh. Um, who are you? I guess who are your pacemakers? Are they other Hoka guys? Um, so or? there, there are three uh, three guys from the Hoka Aggies team. Mm-hmm. Um, so they uh, these are they're they're really strong runners. Um, most most of these guys just ran CIM um, and already have like Olympic qualifying uh, times, so they should be should be good to go to go through 20 miles and can they jump in and out or do they have to no so we were, we were actually just talking about that yesterday they can't do the roger banister the old switcheroo and like get lapped and then hop back in so this is uh hoke has done a really good job of of you know doing all the legwork and, and going through all the all the hoops of of uh setting this up so that it's legit and you know we have guys from usatf here to make sure that everything is uh is official and and you know and, and that was one of the big rules that they apparently stated yesterday at some meeting that they had that that they definitely can't do that. So, is there a way to watch it? Will it be a stream or anything? So there's not going to be an official live stream. Um, my uh, I'm planning to try and set it up to essentially just have my uh, my phone streaming it on Instagram Live. So if you follow me, which is at Tyler C Andrews, um, you should be able to see that uh, up tomorrow morning around 7:30 Pacific. All right, I'll, I'll start following you. Um, so yeah, let's let's turn to sort of I don't know how you became went from being an 18 minute 5K guy to <laughs> you know a world record attempt holder. Um, or that's not the proper <laughs> world record <laughs> attempting a world record attempting a world record. Yeah. yeah. Um, but hey, most of us never even done that. Um, you know, from what I read, there's a nice profile by Doug Binder on uh, Runner Space, and you know, it sounds like you just sort of started running just to, for something to do in high school. Is, is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, actually, even before I was an 18:30 runner, that was after I'd improved. I, I really started out as like a 21-minute runner, um, probably like junior or freshman and sophomore year of of high school. I was. I was really like a music nerd. I, I was in all the bands and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we just had to basically get a sports credit at school. So cross country was the thing that I did because I didn't think of myself as athletic and I didn't think of myself as coordinated. Um, and, you know, my older brother had done it. So I, that's how I ended up on the cross country team. And really, like like you said, it was just kind of something to do for the first couple of years. And it wasn't until my senior year where my uh we got a new a new coach who really connected with me john waldron um and he really just kind of instilled in me this this idea that running is something that you can get better at and that i it, like this is how naive i was about the sport is that i i essentially thought that fast runners were fast and slow runners were slow and that was it and i was like i was a slow runner and there was nothing i could do about that and so it was like this very basic idea that he instilled in me that like hey if you train you can actually get better at this and to me at the time, that was a really powerful idea. And 
so I started to train and I started to get better and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is so rewarding. I love it. Um, and you know, at that point I, I really kind of caught the, the bug of running like so many people do. Um, and I think that I was actually really lucky because I was at a really small school and a, a really small league. So for me, I didn't really have a sense of how far running went. So for me to go from a, you know, a 21 minute runner to a 19 minute runner to an 18 minute runner in one season, I was like, all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm, I'm so good. This is great. I'm like, you know, at the front of my, my high school team. Um, and like, you know, I, I'm, I'm competing in these races and stuff and it was so much fun. And I, you know, I felt like I had made all this huge improvement, which, which I had. Um, but at the same time, I think if I had been in, you know, like a huge public school in Texas and I had seen, you know, all these teams that have 15 minute guys, it would have been really disheartening. So I think I got really lucky and that I wasn't actually exposed to that. And I, I really had no idea um, how far I had to go. And I just thought, you know, this is a, this is something I really like. I love the idea of putting in work and seeing a, a, a result, um, seeing myself get better. And, and that just really stuck with me for, for a long time after that. And, and even today, you know, that's kind of still still what I'm trying to do is basically find my own limits. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the thing that's universal about running, or at least for people who sort of are running lifers, you can, you know, even if you get older and you're slowing down, you can still try to get do your best or, you know, improve, um, you yeah. know, age graded or whatever. There's always, you can always compete against yourself. But, so exactly, those first, yeah. those first few years of high school, were you not training at all? Or what year did you go out for the team? Uh, I mean, I was on the team again, uh, but I mean, I certainly, we didn't even have a track team. So I only trained, I, I only trained quote unquote, or, or was running during the, you know, 12 or 16 weeks of the cross country season in the fall. That was, that was the only running I was doing for the first three years of high school. Um, and then even that senior year when I ran, uh, when I ran 1830, I, you know, I probably ran 20, 30 miles a week. I, I again, I, I didn't know that like people counted mileage. That, that was like a weekly mileage was a thing at that point. So I, you know, I had no log or anything like that. So I, I don't even really know what I was doing. Um, but you know, the good thing was that again, my coach had a very, very long-term attitude. Like he was all about trying to get people to become lifelong runners. Um, and so as opposed to saying, Oh, okay, here's a kid who, you know, is really like into running, let's max him out right now. Cause he's only got one more year left. He really focused on, you know, teaching me about the sport, um, teaching me how to train, how to think about training. Uh, and then I was lucky because after that, um, I, I really had two years before I ended up competing in the NCAA because I took a year off between high school and college. And then my first year of college, I went to a team that didn't have an NCAA program. And so John and I essentially kept in touch with one another um, for those first two years via email from afar and, and, and phone and stuff. And I would send him these emails with all of these questions about running. I would say like, oh, what, you know, what workout should I do? And what's the point of this? And like, what pace should my runs be? And blah, blah. Or, oh, I read this thing on, on let'srun.com that these people are doing. Should we incorporate that? Or something like that, you know? Definitely and not. And he would send me, <laughs> see, yeah, I know, right? And he would send me these long, long emails back. So we had this like amazing correspondence for like two years where we both got to know each other super well. And I really, really got to know myself as an athlete in terms of, of what I could do, what my body responded well to in training, um, you know, kind of what I saw as the things that, that kind of helped me improve over those couple of years. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the things that's, that made a huge impact on me in the long term was, was those two years of really just training by myself and, and, and learning about, uh, about training and about what works for me so that, 
you know, both in college and then even after college, I was able to say, okay, this is, these are the things that I've, I think really helped me. And, and some of those are, you know, normal things like for anybody, like doing a little more mileage and, and some of them are, are, you know, things that are relatively unique to me. Like I, I do, you know, I do a lot of, of mileage relatively speaking. And, you know, I do a lot of, I, I respond really well to really long runs, things like that. Um, so that, that was a really, uh, really impactful time of, of my life, I think, in terms of my running. Yeah, I mean, I guess you gotta, you have to have like, I don't know, the spark or something that sort of gets you interested in it and see that you can be better. And then, you know, I feel like then it's just a matter of, you don't, none of us know how good we're going to get, right? I mean, right. I'm sure, I bet you, you probably didn't think you'd be as good as you are now, uh, you know. I think a lot of guys well, see, are that, like that. And now you think, think, wait, I can get a lot better. So it's it's sort of. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a funny thing. And maybe that's one of the things that helped me get to where I am is that I think when I, once I realized that I could get better from training, this is when I was like 17 years old. Once I realized like, oh, I can train and then get better. I, I actually didn't think that, oh, there's some limit. You know, I think that again, most people who who know more about the sport, there's this paradigm that, if you're going to make the Olympic team or you're going to set a world record or you're going to even make the Olympic trials or whatever, like you have to be really good in college and to be really good in college, you have to be really good in high school, you know? And I just had no sense of that. My, my understanding was, was so basic that I was just like, okay, if I train, I'll get better. And you know, I'll see where that takes me. So I distinctly remember watching the 2007 Olympic marathon trials where Ryan Hall won in, in New York city. Um, and watching that race and being like, oh, I just, I want to do that. And for an 1830, 17 year old guy to, to do that at the, you know, in retrospect, it's like, well, good luck. Okay. You know, right. that's kind of like the modern paradigm. And I think if, if I had known that at the time, it would have been really disheartening and it's unlikely that I would have really stuck with the sport. So I think one of the things that I try to stress, especially when I talk to kids is don't, don't worry about, you know, being super fast in high school. Like there, there's a lot of paths to success. You can be a really successful, you know, 25 year old, even if you're not a super fast 15 year old, you have 10 years, like people develop at different speeds. I think that the American kind of high school and collegiate uh, system really stresses kids that have a ton of natural top end speed, you know, high school, it's like we only run up to the two mile most of the time. You know, if a, if a kid like me, is thrown into a two mile, like I'm not going to do well in that. But if you had a system more like Japan, where you have high schoolers and college kids running and, and half marathons and, and even longer stuff, you know, suddenly you see like a lot more aerobic talent. Um, people who have kind of that, like that's the thing that they're really good at is they have super efficient aerobic systems and they can, they can run really long at a, at a good clip. Um, and that's why I think part of the reason that you see such huge success in Japan and like half marathon and marathon stuff in terms of their depth is because you know, a person like me in the United States, nine times out of 10 is going to get turned off from the sport because they're not even going to get, they're not even going to walk onto their college team, you know? And it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just be a jogger or something. But, you know, in Japan, you have guys, guys who are able to, to compete in those longer races earlier and, and it's keeping them in the sport. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, because I, I, I can definitely relate to your story. I mean, I was faster in high school, but I didn't really run year round till my senior year. Um, you know, I ran faster in college, but you said you read my article why I sucked in college, mm-hmm. and you know I was a pretty I was a pretty decent D one like East Coast runner, but never made the NCA meet. But I loved running and thought I could keep getting better. And kind of like you, I 
got out of college and try to keep doing it. And, you know, I remember sort of along the way, a couple points, sort of same thing, like sort of, oh, how good can I get? I remember my freshman year in college, like I think Howie Gabriselassie ran some indoor 5K world record or something. And for the first time, I sort of figured out how fast that was. And I just thought like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'll never do that. You know, I'm like, well, before then, I thought I could do anything. I'll just train. I'll get better. Um, yeah. But then I sort of still like, you know, I'd watch the Boston Marathon. I'm like, oh, I can do that. Like if it's a slow day or something, you know, like I would fool <laughs> myself. I think once you put limits on maybe the top end, then, you know, what's immediately in front of you, you maybe don't push as hard for. Um, but I remember winning the Marine Corps Marathon in D.C. And it was the slowest winning time at the time. I ran 225. And it was hot. You know, people don't factor that sort of stuff in. And they said, what's yeah, next? And I, I said, I want to make the Olympics in the marathon. And at the time, uh -huh. America was really bad. It was, you know, this was 1998. And uh -huh. thought if you ran 214, you could make it. And I thought, oh, I can run it. I can maybe run 214. Um, and actually, I never did run 214. But, you know, I ended up getting fourth in the country twice at 10K. I did things I never thought was possible. And, yeah. you know, I, that's when I, I, you know, I saw your story. I was like whoa, like you should write an article why I sucked in high school. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I think, series, I, you know, I think it could be like the um, <laughs> the little dumb books or something. Yeah, I think Inner Sky that just, leads in well to kind of why, like where I was in college, which is, you know, again, like I, I spent those kind of two years before I competed in NCAA, like learning about myself and getting better. And then, um, you know, like you, I competed in college and, and I wasn't even division one. I, I ran at Tufts University, which is D3. Um, and at that so, point, real I... Quick, you, you did a year abroad yeah. in, in Ecuador? Yep. So I spent Ecuador a year... Ecuador well, a common theme in your development. <laughs> we, we can get to that yeah. before, but sort of... So sure, quickly. So I spent I spent uh, about half that year, maybe it was only even like three or four months um, living in Ecuador and I was, I was doing a, a medical uh, volunteer position because at that point I was thinking about going to medical school and pursuing that. Um, and that was actually the first time that I, I both went to altitude and went to Latin America. Quito's is up in 9,000 feet. Um, so that, that was also a very formative experience for me. Um, it, it would Spanish turn out. I spoke a little bit of Spanish, but I mostly learned uh, Spanish while I was there. I'd taken a little bit of high school, but, but that definitely helped. Um, and I basically spent the rest of the year working to save up money for college. I worked at a Wendy's for a while. Um, and then, yeah, and then I went to Skidmore College in upstate New York for my freshman year. Kept training, but again, I didn't have any kind of real um, running program there. Um, and so then it was that after that freshman year that I transferred over to Tufts. Um, and I think by that, by that time, I mean, I had already improved quite a bit. I think I had run 15.30 and 32.30, something like that. So again, coming from a, an 1830 guy in high school, like that was to, to a lot of people, I was like, oh, this guy's already like improved quite a bit. Like he's probably getting near to his ceiling. Um, and at, at Tufts, I, 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 again, I, I never really made like one huge jump. Um, it was just kind of every year, every season, I was like, okay, what can I do a little bit more of? What worked really well last time? What should I cut out? Um, so I kind of just kept getting a little bit better every season. Um, I ended up running 30-22 for 10K in college, and I, I made D3 Nationals as an individual one time, um, and I ran at uh, Cross Nationals, uh, I, think, I think only once. Um, 
And, and so, yeah, so I, I really, I graduated without, sorry, go ahead. What was your top finish? Oh, I, it was, I ran really badly. I was, I was injured at the end of that season. I I was in like the hundreds. I don't even know. It was, it was, that was a terrible race. It was my senior cross season. I, um, yeah, I had, I can't remember what it was. I think I had like a back injury or something like that. I don't know, but it was, yeah, my, my whole senior year didn't really go that well in terms of running. Um, but Tufts had a pretty good team because you weren't even the top guy, right? Yeah, I wasn't even the top guy on our team. So Matt Rand, who's who's still a friend of mine, um, was our top guy. I think he ran thirty, thirty oh seven, something like that. Um, the same the same year I, I ran thirty twenty two um, my junior year. Um, so yeah, I, I think there. I don't even think I was ever our first guy in cross, and I was never our first guy on the track. So kind of graduating from college and being like, I want to keep going from running again, to some people would have been like, why? Like, what are you doing? Um, you know, beyond the amateur level, like, obviously, I had no, uh, you know, no right to think that I would be able to compete at a professional level or anything like that. But I think yeah, the why, thing that why, I realized... What were you thinking? And you said, yeah, a lot of people <laughs> want to keep running, but were you thinking, hey, I can make the trials? Or what were you thinking at that point? Yeah, so I was really thinking, I was thinking a couple of things. I knew that I could get better. Still, um, I think that a lot of kids on my college team saw college as kind of, okay, this is probably as good as I'm going to get at running. And I might, you know, keep running, you know, on the club level regionally. Um, but this is probably as good as I'm going to get. And I just didn't feel that way about myself at all. And I felt very, very strongly that I wanted to, to give myself the chance to do that. Um, and I also knew even then that, that the marathon was going to be my best event, at least of the standard distances. Um, I, you know, even in college, I was running over 120 miles a week. Um, I think I ran up to 140 miles a week a couple of times in college. I was doing really hard 20-mile long runs. Um, so I, I just loved that kind of training. I loved the mileage. I loved the long runs, and I felt good doing it. Um, the longer workouts that I did were way better than the shorter workouts that I did. So I just always knew that that's where my future was. Um, and so that was really the thing that, that made me think. And And I, I think a lot of people, you know, again, it's, there's a lot of, I think in my opinion, kind of underperforming in terms of people transitioning from the college level to the marathon in the U.S. Like if you look at whatever McMillan's uh, conversion tables, like a 30, 20 or 30 flat 10 K, like what I was in the shape of to run in senior year of, of college is, is, I think it's like a 220 marathon. So it's like, you're not, if you're a 30 flat guy, like you should be able to qualify for the Olympic trial. So that's, that's kind of where I was thinking um, of going in terms of, of, of my immediate goals. Like, okay, I want to, you know, spend a year on the, on this longer road stuff and moving up to the marathon and seeing what I can do. Um, and I also knew that, that I responded really well to altitude, um, from the, the time I'd spent in Quito before. Um, so that was pretty much where I was at leaving college. I was like, okay, I, I, I had an engineering degree. So, okay, I have a good degree that I can kind of fall back on. Um, I've had this really intense academic experience. I'm going to take six months or a year and I'm just going to go and try and train really hard at altitude and see what happens. Um, and because I didn't have very much, mo- sorry, sorry, this is 2013. Yeah. So this would have been, I read after I graduated in 2013. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so I, 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 I said, okay, like I want to go train at altitude for six months or a year. Um, and, where can I go that I can afford to live? 
And the answer was Quito, Ecuador, because the cost of living was super low. I knew a bunch of people here because I'd been back a couple of times since the, the time I spent there as a, right after high school. Um, and so, yeah, I, I essentially moved to Quito in uh, like the summer of 2013. And I got a job uh, in a hostel. I was, I was living in the, the windowless basement of this hostel with, with three other guys um, in this tiny space. And I, w- I was working like, I think I was working like 25 hours a week for essentially just room and board. Um, and I was like, oh, that's great. You know, I, I work for five hours during the day and that gives me time to, to train. Um, and it gives me my weekends to race and I get food and I get a place to sleep. Like, what more do I need than that? Um, and so, yeah, so I just, I was there, I was at 9,000 feet and I hooked up with some other runners in the city and uh, I raced like every weekend for uh for like three months the first like three months i was there anything from like 5k to half marathon um just like to try and make a little prize money and stuff and and just get into the scene and like run as race as much as i can and and try and like improve my racing tactics and get experiences on the roads and stuff and mostly i i it was kind of like the first two months of this year like i knew that i was getting really fit and i was doing really good workouts but most of the races that I would run were on these like crazy Andean mountain courses, not like trail mountain, but like hilly city courses where, you know, you're at 7,000 feet or 9,000 feet or 10,000 feet. And you're, you're running on like old cobbled streets up and down hills and stuff. So the times were terrible. And I was like, I I think I'm doing all right because I'm beating people and I'm making a little bit of money here. Um, But how much money can you make in road races in Quito? Well, you don't need that much to live. So that's the reason it matters. I mean, I would win like a hundred bucks or something or like 200 bucks or, or something like that. Um, and at the time it's like, oh, I can live for a month off of a hundred bucks. Like, that's awesome. You know? So again, mostly it was about experience and, um, just kind of learning how to, how to race on the roads and, and learning how to push myself up at altitude and stuff. Um, but it, it was, you know, it, it ended up working out logistically. And then it wasn't really until I came down to sea level a couple of, to- couple of times to race that the things started to go a lot better. Um, you know, I had run, I think I, I ran 107.05 for the half marathon right after I graduated in, in Boston. Um, and then I, uh, that fall, after coming down from altitude, I ran a 62-minute 20K, which is like a 65.40 or something like that um, uh, for half marathon. And so that was like, okay, this is, this is going super well. Uh, I'm really fit. And that was kind of the time where my coach and I had started talking about like, when do we want to move up to the marathon? And I think 6530 was kind of like the half marathon time that we were shooting for before moving up to the marathon. Cause then it's like, okay, if you can run 6530, then you should be able to run under 218, which at the time was the standard. Um, and so that, that was really the, the race. It was like, okay, let's start trying to find a race for the spring. Um, and I basically just got really lucky that as a local Bostonian, I had connections, um, to some people at BAA and, you know, like they also liked my story and they liked me as a local guy and they gave me a, 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 an entry, even though I didn't have, that was the only real time that I had, um, was that 20 K time that was worth anything. Um, so they let me debut in 2014. So then, yeah, I basically kept, uh, stayed in Ecuador until, until that race uh 2014 and um that's it's a, a whole saga in and of itself because i i got i got hit by a car during that build up and missed about a month of training um ended up running 221 in boston for my debut i think i was like 29th place um which was okay but like you know I, i'd want to do a little bit better but again it was like one of these things where 
I had a I had a decent result, but like, okay, there's something in here that went wrong. In this case, it was getting injured from this car and what can I do? And so I bounced back five weeks later and ran Vermont City Marathon and won that run 220. Um, so but I think I ran about a minute faster, a little over a minute faster. Um, and I think that season was what started to get Hoka's attention. Um, so at that point, we started, I started talking with them. They started basically just sending me gear. Um, and then that fall, uh, I really just had a better buildup. Everything went a lot smoother. Um, I ran a 105 half tune-up, and then I ran 216 at CIM and qualified for the trials. Um, and then at that point, you know, I, I was signed by, by Hoka, and, and things kind of just kept rolling. So that was really kind of this, this transformative year where I went from, you know, making beds and washing sheets and cleaning toilets and living in a hostel basement to like, okay, now, like, I just signed a contract with, with a shoe company and I'm like, car. this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think the 216 is a lot better. I mean, it's 216.59, but you, even stuff like that, I think yeah. helps, right? Like mentally. Oh, I, I ran oh, yeah. 216, right? <laughs> you run 217 yeah, exactly. and you're, in your head, you're thinking, okay, I'm a 217 guy. I think little things, you know, because yep. at some point we do put limits on ourselves, but sort of, I don't know. I think it, it, it helps your starting off point for the next race when you've already run yeah, a 216. Sure. And, yep. you know, or, you know, like CIM's not, it's what, it can be a, you know, it's a downhill course. Even that can help. But then you're in your mind, you're like, I've run 216. I can do that on a flat course. That sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, that's a huge, I mean, Boston's so weird, but. Yep. I feel like you did make a ton of progress that year. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was a really big year. And then from there, do you sort of shift the focus? I mean, I guess you did the, the 50K World Champs two times. But was, was that all, was your mindset, I want to do well at Olympic trials, or I, I just want to do stuff between now and then, sort of? Because I think yeah, for so many I people, think... the outside, people outside the running community, once you've made the Olympic trials, you know, they're like, hey, we'll we'll see you in rio essentially you know that's all <laughs> that's all they they care about is the olympic trials yeah i think that that cim that first one in 2014 it definitely gave me you know a, a lot of confidence and it it kind of gave me a year to be like let's just kind of try some different stuff um and so that was i ended up running uh the 50k national championship that spring and and comes to Rhode Island, or comes to new york um and that was a tough race. I was, I was, I, I got injured during the race and, and kind of hobbled in um, and ended up making the team off of that, which again was worth it in the end. But at, at the time that was, it was a pretty painful experience. Um, so that was, that was kind of just a thought of like, Hey, this is something like I, again, I'm, I've, I like the marathon training 50 K. I talked to a couple different people uh, who had kind of made the transition into ultra running and asked about it specifically. Cause to me, it's like, you know, if you're only running for, you know, two hours and 40 minutes to three hours, is it really that different than marathon training? Like most marathoners are only running for two hour, two forty to three hours. You know, that's like the training can't be that different. Um, and so it, it, it appealed to me because m more than the really long ultra stuff, which I think the training is really different. It's, you know, if you'd be on 50 K, I think you're really, it's almost a different sport at that point. Um, but for me, it was, it was just something that I wanted to try. Um, and that, yeah, that year was tough because concept, like I got hurt, worlds didn't go well um, that first time. And so 
again, part of me was like, oh, I don't want to do this um, because I had two bad experiences at it. But then the other part of me was like, well, again, I think I can still be good at this and I just haven't gotten it right yet. Um, and so it wasn't until 2016 after the, after the trials um, that I ended up running a, a good 50K. Uh, I won a, a race called Mad City, uh, which was a qualifier for Worlds uh, in Wisconsin. And then it ended up going to Worlds in that uh, that fall and getting second. So, you know, that kind of redeemed the 50K in my, in my mind a little bit um, just because, you know, I, I, I had such a bad experience at the start with, with the first two races. And you know, I think it's like the marathon. There's just a really high learning curve. And, and some people, it takes a while to, to figure that out. And I, I was one of them. Yeah. Um, I think it, maybe at some point around this time, I was reading what you wrote in your blog. You said, I'm just curious one, what you're referencing, because I don't follow the ultra scene that closely. Sure. But, but you said, like certain un other unnamed American pros that the Let's Run trolls just love to tear apart. <laughs> Despite the victories and podiums, I didn't have a super fast time to my name yet. <laughs> then, yeah. Sounds like Coca then sort of started seeding the idea for the world record attempt. But um, who, I don't know, what, what pros are you talking about there? What, what's that in reference to? Oh, that's uh, uh, Mr. Mr. 209, I think, is what the forum guys like to call him, America's current star in the marathon. Uh, I mean, again, like, he, uh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Rupp has, uh, certainly has all of the titles and, and you know, he's, he's got Olympic medals. He's, he's got, yeah, he's got, um, you know, Chicago win now. Um, but, you know, people still tear him apart because, oh, he's only run 209. Um, which again, if you look at how he ran his 209 races, it's clear that he's not just a 209 guy. Um, but it's true. You can't call someone a whatever 205, 206 guy until they actually go out and do it. Um, but yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's where that that's came from. Sad, your career ends, I'm forever a 218 marathoner. And <laughs> yeah. In my yeah, head, exactly. I like to believe so. I'm about a 212 maybe. Hey, you know, um, but yeah. Um, at what point did you start seeing Jeffrey Brown? For the shots and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, what? Who? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that was a Galen Rupp joke. Um, yeah. But the uh, threw me off too. I'm trying to think where I, where I was going with this. Um, oh yeah, so your I guess your marathon PR came at the Mohawk Hudson Valley Marathon, sort of. Like you know, how do you pick the how do you pick that race? How, how are we picking the races at this time? Sort of sounds like you'll run you know you run a lot of different things. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely I was actually just talking with someone about this yesterday. I'm I'm someone who uh, I I won't run just kind of two marathons a year, um, but at the same time I do kind of stick to the two to three peaks a year. Um, so I think the difference is that I'm used to running uh, twenty six plus miles in training like i'll do that i'll do really long workouts i'll do 40k workouts 45k workouts um so i if you look at kind of my race results i'll run you know maybe four or five or even six marathons in a year but a lot of those aren't 100 percent efforts and i think there's a big difference there where if you're you know if like the rock and roll race i ran last uh in march like i said it's like you know the next day I flew home and I had a normal double the next day, you know, so it's not like, oh my gosh, I need to take three weeks off after every marathon or something like that. Um, so Mohawk Hudson was actually one of those kind of secondary races where I, I actually ran that in the lead up to worlds. Like I didn't even really taper. I think I ran like a hundred miles that week. 
Um, and for full disclosure, it's a downhill course. So like that, that 215 is a little bit uh, generous in terms of like what I was doing that day, but like it, it was a good race for sure. Um, and then, you know, I think, I, never, I think it was I never, the next. I never would have known, but uh, someone on Let's Run would have exposed you, I guess. So. Oh yeah, no, of course. I'm sure that all the all the trolls will call me out on that one. They're, oh, they're waiting, they're waiting so to jump at you. I, yeah, but then again, like three three or four months later, like right after Worlds, I went and ran like Biwa in Japan, which is a loop course. It is not a downhill course. I think I ran like two sixteen oh two or something, um, and that was it was you know it was a good race, but it wasn't a perfect race for me. So again, it's like you know two sixteen oh two two fifteen fifty two, like you know those are pretty close and. Even now, I'm pretty sure that my marathon PR is actually relatively soft, given what I've what kind of shape I've been in in the last uh, year or so. I, I was actually, I think, in PR shape in in the fall. Um, I was going to run CIM, then got injured at the last minute and had to drop out. Um, so I think, you know, again, you're not an a two whatever guy until you go out and do it. But for me, right. it's just continuing this trend of like, okay, well, I know I have room to improve there, and it's just like, when am I going to go do that? Yeah. I mean, two sixteenths. What's what? Five fifteen pace? Five ten pace? Uh, five ten um, pace, yeah. So like that. Five so, twelve, right? You know. So if you think you're a five oh five guy, hey, you still got to go five what? Five sixteen for the whole fifty k? Yeah, I think it's five five sixteen something like that is is the mile pace. So I do everything in kilometers. Sorry, so I'm not used to the mile stuff. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't ask you about pacing. What's the plan in terms of splitting this thing? I mean, do you, sure. do you have it sort of calculated in your head? I'm going to go out dead even. I'm going to go out a little bit ahead. You know, how how, how do you anticipate doing it? Yeah. So my coach, um, my coach and I were actually just talking about this right before this call, actually. So I think our plan is actually to start off a tiny bit behind pace um, and then work into it. So we've, uh, like most of the workouts I've been doing that have been kind of race pace focused have been looking at about 315 per K, um, which is 16, 15, 5K pace, whatever that is in miles, probably about 512 or something. Um, it's about a second and a half per kilometer under world record pace. So that's the pace that I'd like to end up kind of like at as an average by the time we get to, you know, 20, 25K. Um, but if we start out running, you know, 318, 320s, you know, 80 second laps, something like that. I think that's fine. Again, I felt, I felt so good at the, at the rock and roll marathon race last month that, and that was starting out what was to me really slow and then working into it. And really all of my workouts, we try to do like that. We try to, you know, start out a little easier, work into it, settle into the pace and then push at the end. Um, And that's really how I think ideally I'd like the race to go. And since, since we have control over the rabbits and we can tell them exactly what we want to do, I think that's that's what what we'll end up doing is is starting out a, a tiny bit behind and then working into it and then settling right at or or below that goal pace. So you, I mean, you think for ten miles you run behind or just a few miles? No, not that long. I would I would guess it'll be five or ten k, five or ten k, a little bit behind, and then we'll start catching up. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I. It's funny. I didn't start. I said I was going to time this thing and talk for like I don't know, 26 minutes or 50k. We're going to do 50 minutes. But the good thing is I started my, I started my timer late, so we're only at 40. So we got 10 minutes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> 10 minutes in my book. <laughs> um, Excellent. But I guess so. We you know we haven't talked about one thing. Like when I first got for most of this training, I think you've been in Ecuador. Like where have you been? Essentially, the, the first I ever heard from you, you emailed me. I think you were just out of college. And you said, you know, mm-hmm. you wanted to advertise Strive trips on, you know, I think it, 
that's an interesting part of your story because I just sort of knew you as this guy who ran was pretty good and sort of, you know, you, I thought you sort of worked for this company that put on high school trips to Peru and Kenya. And, you know, I didn't, I had no idea you're going to be trying to break a world record in, in four years, but sort <laughs> of from what I can tell, you know, one, you're now, I think at the time, maybe you weren't in charge of Strive, but now you are sort of that's taken mm-hmm. off, but so is your running at the same time, but sort of, you know, you're doing this thing, you're in Ecuador, you're training at 9,000 feet, you know, it, it's not the traditional path at all. So sort of, I think that's sort of the last thing that we haven't really talked about is sort of, you know, you're, you're just talking about your times and your workouts, like, <laughs> you know, one, to be real, I think a lot of people couldn't do it. I mean, I guess a lot of Kenyans, right, they train at high altitudes and they, they go race much faster, but sort of the American mm-hmm. mindset, it's like, oh crap, my training's slow, like how am I going to race fast, sort of. But yeah. Yeah, how does I don't know. I don't know if you know where to begin, but sort of tell us how Strive. Yeah, there's a lot there. And sort of yeah, you know, going yeah, sure. back so to Stri- Ecuador and when do you yourself go to Kenya? That sort of thing. Sure. So yeah, full disclosure, we do advertise on Let's Run at Strive, um, just to get that out there. Um, he did, he's not paying me for this podcast. Probably should. I'm right? not. <laughs> Damn it. I'm yeah, not smart enough about this. <laughs> um, all yeah, these so years I, I've talked to him, and I had no idea how good he was till I started. Re- <laughs> I'm not, Tyler will attest that I'm not the best at uh, necessarily. Like he'll try to spend money with me, and I'll, I won't write him back right away. And uh, true, I was asking about the 50k, and then he's like, "Hey, check out this profile of me." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, people got to learn this story, man!" So better wait than never. Yeah. Remember. So the Strive history is essentially that. Um, I started working for them in college um, when I was not involved in the administration of the company at all. And I, uh, this is my, I think my sophomore year of college and I had this kind of weird um, group of skills that I developed uh, from the few trips to South America that I'd made in that, you know, I knew the region, I knew the language, I knew a bunch of runners. Um, you know, I, I had spent a lot of time in the area and I'd also worked at a camp, so I had experience working with kids. And, and so it's kind of this funny time when you're in college, you know, after a year or two, and you feel like, oh, my gosh, I have no marketable skills. Like, I'm just learning all this stuff, but I can't actually do anything. And then I heard about this program that was, you know, based, they wanted to start this program in South America. And it was going to be like kind of like a running camp. And they were going to do service work. And they were going to have teens that come and travel there. And I was like, wait, that actually sounds like something that I would be qualified to do. This is weird. Um, and so, yeah, I applied for this job when I was like 20 years old and got hired to, to kind of start start this trip. And uh, this the, the real kind of goal of the trip was to bring high school athletes, particularly runners, to Peru and Kenya. And it was essentially a combination of running camp and an international service learning program. So we we had our staff were runners and we had time set aside in the day for running and the programs were at altitude and they had all these beautiful places to run. Um, and at the same time, they were doing service learning work during the day. They were, you know, doing cultural immersion workshops, stuff like that. Um, so it was this amazing program. I loved it. Um, I loved working with the kids. I loved kind of sharing my passion and, and love of South America and the Andes with these people. Um, and so I ended up leading these trips uh, each summer I was in college. Um, How did they come up with Peru? I mean, Kenya running, I get, but Peru, yeah. I never think of, oh, let's go to run in Peru for the summer. Yeah, I think that Peru was was more of they just wanted to have a program 
that felt closer to the U.S. because most of the participants come from the U.S., um, both physically and culturally. So Kenya, uh, it's a lot further to literally get there. Um, and also, like, it's just Peru. It's, you know, one of the Americas. It's easier to get to. People think of it like maybe it's it's a little bit, uh, you know, safer to send their children to. It has a Spanish language uh, component that, that people like. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't have as much of the running connection, but in terms of everything else about the program, it seemed to fit in in terms of, of what they wanted to do. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, so then by... My senior year of college, uh, the woman who had founded the program, the, it was growing a little bit too much for her, um, and so she uh, she essentially offered um, all of us who had worked as staff to to take over as administrators. So I I hopped on that because I I loved I love this program, and again this was right when I was saying like okay I'm just gonna go and run for a year uh, and see what happens. So you know, I was like, oh, sure, why don't I take another risk and, and try out this job, which, again, I was an engineer, so it has nothing to do with my engineering degree. Um, but, you know, it's something I really love doing. It's something that I'm passionate about, so let's let's do this and see where it goes. Um, and kind of similarly to my running career, like, it ended up being really fortuitous because, you know, we've been doing really well. We've been expanding, um, and, you know, I've loved I've loved working with, with the kids and, and, uh, and seeing the program grow and seeing the kids grow. Um, in terms of uh, your other question about going to Kenya, I haven't actually been to Kenya personally. I I, I run the whole Peru side just because that's kind of my um, more of my entity from a uh, 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 cultural and, and language background. I'm just way more kind of in the zone there um, and have a lot of connections there on the ground. Um, so that's that's kind of been where I've been based every summer for the last eight years now. Um, but it's been something that's been really, really good for me because it gives me, you know, something to do during the day while I'm running or, or while I'm in heavy training. I think that if I just had my running career, I would basically just get bored and restless all the time. Um, but Strive kind of gives me just enough work that, you know, I'm interacting with people. I'm doing outreach work. I'm going to schools and talking to kids. I'm talking to parents. Um, so it gives me something to do um, as opposed to just kind of like sitting on the couch and playing Xbox or something. Seems to be the runner's pastime nowadays. Um, yeah, and not, not that there's anything against that, but just yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you at what percent of the year are you are you in Ecuador? I mean, and talk a little bit about yeah. Your sorry, so we're, in there, yeah, so we're, there's, there's kind of two two things that we're talking about here, which again other people get confused about as well. So, the Strive program is in Peru, and I'm there during the summers. And Ecuador, oh, um, which is oops. just north of Peru, um, oh, nice. is where I am is where I am now. So they're, they're, I mean, they're somewhat related in that, like the reason that I ended up in Strive was because of my experience in Ecuador. Um, but Ecuador is, is, is really the place that I go when I want to basically do an altitude stint by myself, like during the year or something. Um, so I've, you know, over the last 10 years or so, I've probably been in, in Ecuador anywhere from a couple of weeks to a couple of months, um, you know, every year. Um, and this is beyond the work that I do at Strive where I'm, I'm down in Peru for uh, eight weeks of the summer. And the reason for that is, uh, honestly, I just, uh, Ecuador, I think, for me as a, as a high-level athlete, I think that the training situation there is, is really perfect for me. Um, I think it is a bit of a hidden gem. You know, I was talking with, uh, with Craig Lutz about this this morning, um, that really nobody, like foreign athletes don't go there, um, at least not yet, uh, to, to Quito. And I think it's, it's, it's a mistake. I think it's a great place to train. And 
one of the one of the things that I really like about it is that Ecuador is a really tiny country, and so I live in Quito, which is a big city at 9,000 plus feet, 9,200 feet, but I can drive 15 minutes and I'm at 7,500 feet, or I can drive two hours and I'm essentially at sea level. Um, so there's actually quite a bit of variability in terms of access to different altitudes that you get. Um, so like I, I said in my email to you, one of the other things from your altitude, from your from your article about why I sucked in college, the whole live high, train low thing, like that's something that I, I actually give myself or give give you quite a bit of credit for in terms of kind of thinking about that when I was uh, in that first year out of college, like I would live in Quito and I would go down and do my like long marathon runs at, at basically sea level at 3000 feet or something um, where the oxygen is essentially sea level. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about Ecuador is that you can do that super easily. Uh, you don't have to, you know, fly somewhere or, you know, anything How long like that. that. Well, that's cool to hear. It's funny when you're describing that you're like, drive two hours to get to sea level. I'm like, Oh, that sounds like a pain. No one's going to do that. And I'm like, wait, I used to do that. But how long did it take yeah. you to get to 3,000 feet? Yeah, like between an hour and, and two hours, something like that. It's not far. Interesting. So you, you've been going and down in this training block to? I actually haven't been as much in this block um, just because uh, like of this of the kind of training I've been doing. So I, I actually hooked up with um, some guys here who are it's like essentially the Olympic development team. Um, so we're coached by this guy, Franklin Donodio, who is, uh, he's, he's 48 years old now, but he ran 210 in the marathon. He's the number three all time in Ecuador. Um, and we have a bunch of guys on our team, uh, like Miguel Almachi and Jose Luis Almachi and um, uh, various others who really, really high level guys. who so like Miguel ran in, in the Olympics. He's running a bunch of world championships. Um, so I've been doing a lot of workouts with them. Um, but, and they mostly do track stuff and they just, they do everything in the city, uh, in, in Quito at altitude. So it's actually kind of crazy because yeah, like in America, everyone's like, oh, 9,000 feet, that's so high. It's too high. And, um, these guys who, you know, they're from this region, like for many generations and they can just absolutely crush it at such high altitudes, you know, and, and sometimes we'll actually go up from 9,000 feet. Like we, we did a long run, uh, like last month where we drove to this part outside of the city and I didn't know this at the time but we were at 11,400 feet for this run and like I, I assume that we were at about the same level as in Quito I know we got up a little bit but not that much and we were we were doing like a pretty hard long run out there I was like oh my gosh and then I looked at my like GPS track at the end of the run and I was like are you serious why are we up here and you know they're just they, they can just they perform at a different level at altitude I think like if you have the genetic history of like you know I've been at, at, in the mountains for a hundred generations or something like it's, it just, it's, you, you have a different level of adaptation that goes on. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's been really amazing to see kind of what, what that looks like for different people. And, you know, some people I think come from sea level to altitude and, and they see very little response and, and some people who are from altitude can do super well at sea level and then they go down and maybe they don't see as much response. So it, it's it, altitude is something that you kind of need to figure out on a person to person basis, I think. That's crazy, eleven thousand feet. Um, yeah, I used to go sleep at about nine or ten. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the highest point in Arizona is eleven. I can't imagine running, but yeah, you know, after you after you break the record on uh, Friday, <laughs> you know, you need to hype that up. Just oh, it's all the runs at eleven thousand feet. Then everybody will be like <laughs> flying to uh, Quito. Yeah, like Vail or something. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, that's right. But buy some land there and buy some land up in the mountains in Colorado and try to yeah, get there people we go. 
to copy you. Um, well, it's a pretty crazy story. And all, and all your runs and stuff are on Strava, right? Yep. So I actually, I post my training log uh, on the Strive blog. So that's, I've actually been doing that for like like eight years or something. So you can go way back there and see all the training I've ever done pretty much, um, which is like literally just the unedited training blog that I type up every day. Um, and then I'm also, yeah, I'm on Strava. Uh, I think it's the same Tyler C. Andrews on Strava. Um, so yeah, you can, you can follow my training, follow me along. What, and wh- why is the race on a Friday? Um, think double I think back in Boston, right? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Not this year. Um, I, it, I think it's, Come it's, on, this shouldn't be that hard. See, okay, I I don't like that. I I think of myself more as a marathoner who just kind of dabbles up to the 50k. I I, I still I'm definitely not thinking of myself as an ultra guy. I think, you know, people are starting to push me in that direction, especially with this event. Um. But, you know, like I ran, a, I ran an indoor 5K this winter. Like I'm definitely not done with shorter stuff. Like I, I still want to break 14 and like break 29 and stuff. So I, I'm not an ultra guy yet. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's funny how people, I don't know, there's, it's, I don't know. Like you were saying, talking about the stuff over 50K and you're like, that's almost a different sport. I think at some point, yeah, people sort of partition it off in their head as a different sport. When in reality, it's, you know, it's all the same sport. It's just a different thing. But when you yeah. were talking about how you're better suited for longer stuff, I'm like, wait, why didn't you try to go kill one of those, like, I don't know, maybe something like, you know, I feel like I know, like, comrades in, like, Western states or something like that. I feel like and those are probably two completely different things, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit. But No, I, I think, I think you know, the I, difference is the training. It's not a different sport, but the training is really different. Like, once, like, a 50K road or track or, like, a really a fast 50K Again, like if if I'm going to be running for two hours and 42 minutes, that for most people that's a marathon, right? Like that's right. the amount of time that they spend running a marathon. So the training that I'm going to do for that is almost exactly the same as I would to run a two fifteen two fourteen marathon. Like the training isn't different. Um, but when you start talking about even a trail 50k or like a hundred k or a 50 miles, like where you're on your feet for for five six seven hours, like suddenly the emphasis of your training is, is something that needs to become really different. Yeah, you're right. It's like twice the I mean, it's twice the time or even yeah. more, you know, it's, it is, you know, yeah. a 24 hour run. Like, yeah, that's not, it, yes, you're both running, but yeah, it's a completely different sport. Right. So I yeah. see what you're saying. Cause uh, yeah, I live in Fort yeah. Worth and Cowtown Marathon is one of the few marathons I feel like that has a 50 K and I've kind of, you know, oh, you'll yeah. see them out there, you'll see the signs and I'm like, Oh, if I was training for that, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't train that much differently. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the questions that people ask is like, oh, is it different? And the, the truth is for me, the marathon and 50K are really similar in terms of how I train for them. I think pretty much the only difference is that for 50K, I'll, I'll do long runs of, of up to three hours uh, a couple of times. Um, that's that's pretty much the only difference um, is that I'll do a couple slightly longer singles just so that I, I have my body used to running for that long. Cool. Um, do you have any parting comments or shots? Anything to say? We've blown past uh, the 50k, 50 minute mark of the. Yeah, of the, sorry about maybe that. Maybe a one hour podcast. Um, I feel like. There we go. Yeah, we can edit it down. Um, no, just uh, yeah. Th- thanks for for talking. And you know, I've been a, a let's run reader and and poster since uh, you know, pretty much since I got into the sport. So it's it's uh, it's exciting for me to be to be on the other end here and and talking to you and and hopefully interacting with people. Uh, you know, from 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 the kind of spectator side, I think I'm someone who, 
gradually came into the sport and I was very much first a fan of running before I was in the pro running scene. Um, so every time I'm at a pro event or doing a media thing, it, it feels very kind of surreal and, and cool to me. You know, I was, I was at the track this morning with, with Kyle Merber and Craig Watts who are both here for this weekend, um, for the, this Hoka event, um, cause Kyle's running in the mile. Like, Oh man, like I, I was like fans of you guys before you even like knew who I was. Like, this is, <laughs> it's very cool to be, to be in that world now. So, yeah, I mean, I think parting words, I would just say, you know, thank you to the running community for, for supporting running and, and making pro running a thing. Um, and, you know, if there are people out there that are listening that, that were like me or that are like I was in high school that, you know, you're not making footlocker or anything like that. Don't worry about it. Like just stick with it. Um, if you, if you love the sport, if you love training, if you love the process of getting better, like you're going to get better. It's just a, a matter of how much. And the only way to figure out what that is, is to, to keep training and keep trying and seeing how it goes. A couple things, that last comment, we're not done yet. Um, so there's a mile and stuff. What else is, <laughs> what else is going on with this weekend? Yeah, sorry. I probably forgot to mention that at the beginning. So the, the two big races um, are the 50K in the morning, and then there's uh, a men's and women's elite mile in the evening. Um, so it's, again, that's why it's on a weekend or a Friday is because there's a track meet that starts starts Friday. I think it goes mm. till Saturday, but both of both of the kind of exhibition pro events are are on Friday. So the 50k's in the morning and the the elite miles Friday night. And is Hoka out of LA? Like, what's it? Why the LA area? Yeah, Hoka Hoka's based in Santa Barbara, which is where we are. Oh, okay, cool. And you said you're a running fan. What are your thoughts on the Boston Marathon? Well, I just read your article you while I was in the airport. No, no, it's good to have some distractions. I'm, I'm tapering, so I have tons of extra time and energy. Um, gosh, the women's race—I don't know. I think like everyone, it's too close to call. You have so many, so many talented ladies in the field. I think that's that's going to be the really exciting one for for American fans to watch. That um, hard, hard not to to pick Shalane, um, especially as a Bostonian. Like the fact that she won New York, the fact that she's, you know, the hometown favorite. Um, she's run this course a million times now. She's wanted it so bad, but you know, you have Huddle, you have Stay, you have Desi Linden. Like, it's just going to be an amazing race. I'm super excited to watch that. Um, on the men's side, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard not to look at Rep as a as a favorite. He, like someone said, he's got an Olympic medals. He's got Chicago title. You know. I, I won't really address your second question about whether I'm rooting for him or not. Um, I mean, I, I think it's great for Americans to do well in the sport. I think their uh, their group has uh, has some PR issues they need to sort out. I'll say that as kind of the most politically correct way I can think of to address it. Um, but yeah, it, whatever happens, it'll be an exciting race. I'm psyched to watch it. All right, cool. Well, hopefully when you watch it, you'll be the 50K world record holder. Um, so. yeah, and there's no way I feel like, you know, Josh Cox went for it and missed the world record and just got the American record, but there's only five seconds between them. So <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Like a, it's all or nothing for you. If you split the difference, I don't Pretty know. Much. I think yeah, if I possible. somehow managed this to, to make an even smaller dent, that would be pretty impressive if I managed to finish between those two. So hopefully we won't have that. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Well, good luck. Um, Hopefully you have some more people rooting for you and yeah, thanks for inspiring me enough to want to talk to you and do this. So appreciate it. No, thanks so much. It's been, it's been really fun to talk and, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. Hopefully, hopefully it goes well and we can do a little follow up. Okay.
Thanks. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Walden. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, I've been sitting here all day I've been sitting in this 